He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. America, Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Don't worry. The Secretary of State has reiterated that most of the citizens left in Afghanistan are dual citizens. What in the hell does that have to do with anything? The suggestion is they're not citizens. The suggestion is they're mostly Afghan in, in belief and in embrace. The suggestion is, well, they don't want to come out. Good Lord. You know, when I was on uh, Sean Hannity's TV show last week, I pulled out a uh, Time magazine cover signed by then Lieutenant General George S. Patton of George S. Patton. And, again, I think of these World War II generals, how outstanding they were, how unbelievable they were compared to so much of what we have today, the Millies and the McKenzies and the Austins. And I used to play the music from Patton early in my radio career. And so what I've decided to do, because it's my favorite movie, it's always been my favorite movie, I've obsessed seen Patton 40 times. But I remember the first time I saw it, 1970. I was 13 years old. I remember where I was. It was across from a little store my parents had opened in a town called Jenkintown, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia, not too far from where we lived, Elkins Park, Pennsylvania. And my dad took us there, and uh, we all watched it, and it, it really had an impact on me. And that opening speech had an impact on me. And I suspect most of the young people in this audience or around the country have never seen the movie and never heard the opening speech. And for, for them, or at least a significant number of them, this will be shocking to hear a general speak like this. Because I'm going to play all six minutes of it, and then we'll come back and do some more talking. 
Go ahead. bastard ever won war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. Men, all this stuff you've heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. Because the very thought of losing is hateful to America. Now, an army is a team. It lives, eats, sleeps, fights as a team. This individuality stuff is a bunch of crap. The bilious bastards who wrote that stuff about individuality for the Saturday Evening Post don't know anything more about real battle than they do about fornicating. Now we have the finest food and equipment, the best spirit, and the best men in the world. You know, by God, I actually pity those poor bastards we're going up against. By God, I do. We're not just going to shoot the bastards. We're going to cut out their living guts and use them to grease the treads of our tanks. We're going to murder those lousy Hun bastards by the bushel. Now, some of you boys, I know are wondering whether or not you'll chicken out under fire. Don't worry about it. I can assure you that you will all do your duty. The Nazis are the enemy. Wade into them. Spill their blood. Shoot them in the belly. When you put your hand into a bunch of goo that a moment before was your best friend's face, 
what to do. Now, there's another thing I want you to remember. I don't want to get any messages saying that we are holding our position. We're not holding anything. Let the Hun do that. We are advancing constantly and we're not interested in holding on to anything except the enemy. We're going to hold on to him by the nose and we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose. There's one thing that you men will be able to say when you get back home. And you may thank God for it. Thirty years from now, when you're sitting around your fireside with your grandson on your knee, and he asks you, what did you do in the great World War II? You won't have to say, well, I shoveled in Louisiana. All right, now you sons of bitches, you know how I feel. Mm. I will be proud to lead you wonderful guys into battle anytime, anywhere. That's all. Well, I thought we needed to hear that. Because here I am reading the media today with Americans still behind enemy lines, with tens of thousands of our Afghan allies, patriots, behind enemy lines. The genocide goes on. I read this. In PJ Media. After losing a war and stranding Americans in Afghanistan, Biden's Pentagon pivots back to race. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Pentagon spokesman John Kirby just left an untold number of Americans stranded in Afghanistan. A week ago today, 13 American service members died in a terrorist attack at the Kabul airport. That happened because Austin and the generals left it surrounded by enemy forces. They had their eye off the ball of their main jobs, protecting Americans and protecting our forces, writes Brian Preston. They've reverted to taking their eye off the ball again. A tweet from John Kirby. From from, uh, Secretary... From Deputy Secretary of Defense tonight, he says, quote, racial disparities in the military justice system have been a problem for far too long. We know it, and we're going to work hard to fix it. Sister site Twitchy reports, Kirby is getting raked for this. He deserves it. It also won't change a thing. John Kirby is a true believer, and so are all of his bosses. He says, I served in the Air Force in active duty a number of years ago. Racism was not rampant or even present at that time. During my years, my supervisors included a Hispanic male, a couple of white males, who tended to disagree with each other and snipe at each other when one was out of earshot, and two women. I worked with, for, and alongside black people, Asians, people from all over the country. 
If they had more stripes, bars, or stars than me, I followed their lawful orders. When I was on bases, other than my home base, I often answered to black, Hispanic, Asian, and white men and women. My best boss out of all of them was probably the senior master sergeant, who was a woman. And she was tough, smart, and not to be messed with. Her word was as strong as steel. As for military promotion, that's accomplished via unbiased testing. You study, you pass, you make rank. You do your job, you do well. You make trouble, you don't do well. It's very simple. So simple, even a Marine could grok it. Remember, he's Air Force. No one cared about race. Everyone cared about accomplishing the mission. Our current military leadership has lost focus. It's not prioritizing fighting and winning America's wars. The winning part matters. It's not doing that. Instead, we have the likes of Kirby and Austin. Millie, recommending critical race theory and enforcing divisive stand-downs. This will not help for good order and readiness. No, it'll get people killed. With the, the current mindset in the top of the military brass, and quite frankly, in the Oval Office, we're getting in the habit of losing wars now. We're getting into the habit of surrendering through pacifistic and weak diplomacy. We just surrendered to the terrorists in Afghanistan. We're surrendering to the terrorists in Iran. We're surrendering to the communist Chinese. We're surrendering everywhere. This is really an appalling, un-American approach to securing our country and free peoples all over the world. And you can see what's happening as each day goes by. The memories of our citizens in Afghanistan and what's going on over there gets weaker and weaker and further and further away. Exactly what Biden, the Democrats, and the vast majority of the media want. I'll be right back. Mark In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. You know, I've never, I don't know that I've ever told anybody this. You know, my, uh, 
My mother's father, I've told you about him before, my, my grandfather, uh, he joined the Marines after they, we were hit at Pearl Harbor. He was 34 years old. He's a tough guy. Very big at that time, 6'2". He'd been an amateur boxer. Lived a very tough life. They were extremely poor through the Depression and so forth. Obviously, no college education and so forth. And he and his brother-in-law, name was William, but he was called Tug. As I understand, they had these huge hands. They're two very strong men. They would drive this truck, this beat-up truck, from Philadelphia to western Pennsylvania. They'd pick up the coal in the truck. They'd bring it back. They would sell it because people used it to warm their homes and to cook. Coal was king. Anyway, the war changed him, World War II. He fought at Guam and he fought at Iwo Jima. And he wouldn't talk much about it at all. And he, he lost his voice at Iwo Jima. He, he would talk like this the rest of his life. And his hands would shake. His unit, or whatever you call it, there were 105 of them. Five of them lived. He was one of them. But I remember him telling me that sometimes at night, when some of their men had been captured, <clears throat> the Japanese would torture them at night, and they would hear them screaming and yelling in pain. And I said to him, well, what did you do about that? And he said to me, we didn't take many prisoners after that. We didn't take many prisoners after that. And they also had their own suicide bombers, guys that would raise their hands, surrender, but then would pull a grenade and blow themselves up and everybody around them. Our military is not allowed to fight like that anymore. Even against terrorists. Even against terrorists. Now we're working with them, as I understand. I'll be right back. This is Liberty's 911 Hotline. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. You know, you, uh, you who listen to this program understand. When you have a president like this, an opposition party should do everything it can to bring pressure on that president to resign or to be removed. We understand the numbers in the House and in the Senate. The Democrats understood the numbers in the House and the Senate when they unconstitutionally impeached Donald Trump twice. You create the narrative, you build the pressure, and you ensure that neither he nor his party hold power for as long as possible. This is called an overall strategy with specific tactics. When you have the Republican leader of the Senate garbling through and saying he will not be impeached, 
Don't you have self-appointed constitutional scholars who are no such thing, saying this is not a peachable event? You can see the weak underbelly of this country. You can see a country in decline where we cannot even have unity. I'm putting pressure on the man who caused all this to leave office. And he's done more than this, of course. You know, it's very interesting. And my wife Julie pointed this out to me about an hour ago. With Jen Psaki at the podium yesterday, browbeating a reporter for, I believe, a Christian publication, when he asked about Joe Biden's Catholicism and how his support for the most extreme position on abortion and to have it paid by, by the public comports with his Catholic faith. She was very offended. And she essentially said, you know, you're a man. You've never been pregnant. You've never given birth. You're not really in a position to talk about this. And so Julie said to me, now this time, that's interesting. You mean now Pasaki recognizes that their female body is different than the male body? That there are biological differences that you're actually born with? There is a birth canal and so forth and so on that men don't have? And that is said not to make a political point. That is said to demonstrate the insanity of these people. The insanity of these people. You will not find liberal columnists, you will not find the Washington Post, the New York Times, all these fringe publications that are out there and websites pointing out that science tells us that's a human being. That's a human being. That is not debatable. I think even Fauci would agree that's a human being. I don't know about big tech. I don't know if you'd be able to say that on one of their platforms. And yet that human being is dehumanized because the ends justify the means. That that baby, that individual baby is dehumanized so there's no moral questions raised. And instead the question is a woman should be able to decide for herself what she's going to do with her body. And as we mentioned the other day, they don't take that position when it comes to the vaccine. But that aside, she's not making a decision purely about her body. She's making a decision about another human being's body. And again, the contradiction is obvious. In the criminal law in almost every state, that unborn baby is viewed as a human being because it is a human being. And as viability is earlier and earlier in the process, given technology and science and our medicines and so forth, they continue to argue as if viability no longer matters. The argument used to be, can it survive on its own? Now it's, well, it can't really survive on its own, you know, it needs oxygen, it needs a nurse, 
this is a, a decline. When you have a moral, when a, when a nation is bereft of a moral core, and you see the media running to the ramparts, warning that this is, this is the reverse of Roe v. Wade. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the Declaration. They don't care about separation of powers. They don't care about the rule of law, the rioting, all the rest of it. This is their red line. This is the red line. So now we're back talking of women with biological differences. Women. But when it comes to bathroom, there are no biological differences. When it comes to sports, there are no biological differences. When it comes to the rule of law, you're not to recognize any biological differences. As a matter of fact, we're to change the language to create ambiguity when it comes to biological differences. And we've been told it's not what's between your legs, but between your ears that matters. And yet when it comes to abortion, all that's thrown out the window, isn't it? All of it. I told you in the midst of this this surrender and this horrendous evacuation, our cowardly politicians putting our our brave heroes on the line, getting 13 of them killed. And during the course of this, they weren't talking about our soldiers as white supremacists, as bigots, as racists who needed to be trained in critical race theory. And by God, it's back. It's back today. While our citizens are still in enemy territory, When those 13 men and women died, great heroes, doing what they were ordered to do, trying to save not just American citizens, but people, many of whom, did not share their physical characteristics. And to my knowledge, none of them shared their religion, maybe one or two did. White supremacy, huh? Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have been campaigning in California, as has Biden, against Larry Elder. A black man. So you see, physical characteristics, race, only go so far. What they really mean is their Marxist agenda. They will use anything, race, the weather, immigration, to advance their agenda. Let's talk about Bernie Sanders for a moment. Bernie Sanders embraces an ideology that has resulted in the brutal murder of 100 million people. The servitude and imprisonment of a billion people or more. Torture and rape, the inhumanity in China, in North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, the inhumanity that existed in Cambodia, and on and on and on. That's his ideology. Our belief system, you can't point to a single country where the result has led to such inhumanity. 
Not one. Representative government? Limited government? The belief in the in the sanctity of life? And individual liberty? Free market capitalism? And yet they're all under attack. And the reason is Biden, Sanders, and their ilk are evil, evil demagogues that are playing for power and playing for keeps. That's why. We remain the greatest people on the face of the earth. We've done things no other people in any other country have done or are willing to do. But we are led by miscreants, malcontents, and people who actually hate our own country. By self-appointed elitists who aren't elite in the least. Who've exploited our system to empower themselves. Who are unhinged in their pursuit of power. And people die and people are harmed as a result of it. Whether it's abortion on demand paid for by taxpayers, whether it is the disaster that occurred in Afghanistan, those 13 precious Americans didn't have to die like that. And they wouldn't have died like that. But for Biden, Austin, Milley, Harris, Sullivan, Lincoln, and McKenzie. Nobody else will hold people accountable. The best I can do is publicly shame them if they're even capable of being shamed. Now they want to run the rest of the culture, the rest of society. They've done such a fantastic job with our military. With our border. With our budget. I'll be right back. I also want to say how proud I am of this congressman from Oklahoma who they're trying to paint as a nut and controversial. How proud I am of all the members of the House and the Senate who did everything they could, and many still are, to get as many of our people freed from behind enemy lines. I want to thank all the private institutions, some of my colleagues like Glenn Beck and others, who laid a hand again to try to get out our people. And our people include those people, Afghans, who stood by us shoulder to shoulder during this, this war. I want to thank the real journalists, of which there are relative few, for various platforms and websites, who did the real digging and reporting that needs to be done. Not network TV, because that just doesn't exist anymore. 
These are the red-blooded Americans who at a time like this said to themselves, they hell with Biden, they hell with Austin and Milley, they hell with Blinken, Sullivan, they hell with these people. We Americans don't leave our own behind enemy lines. These are the great humanitarians. These are the great Americans. These are the great patriots. The vast majority of whom we don't know. Who tried to fill a gap. Made by Biden and his administration. I also want to say something to Mitch McConnell. His, uh, his surrogates and various media including the editorial page of the New York, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal, Summit National Review, and so forth. You need to step down, too. You need to resign as quickly as possible. The nation would benefit greatly if you did. We need a political opposition. Under the roof of the Capitol building, that is serious, that is respected, that is feared, that is competent, and that is tactical. It's time for the old men and the old women to step aside. I do not say that to attack senior citizens. But it's time for new blood at the top of the Republican Party. Not rhino blood. New blood. People who can inspire and motivate. People who can think on their feet. People who actually stand for something. I've often said Fauci's been in Washington too long. Too long. To think clearly. And to act smartly. He's entangled in politics. He's entangled in, in bureaucracy. Well, McConnell's been in Washington almost as long. And he's all gummed up. He's all gummed up. It's time for somebody else. You can't stand up to Joe Biden. You wanted Donald Trump prosecuted criminally on the way out. You can't even support, let alone lead, which would certainly be too much to ask of you, efforts to remove Joe Biden. You don't talk about the 25th Amendment. You don't talk about impeachment because you say it's not going to happen. That's not the point of talking about the 25th Amendment and talking about impeachment. And I will say this also about McConnell. Thank God he wasn't in charge of NASA when Kennedy said, in 10 years we're going to put man on the moon. Thank God he wasn't in charge of Operation Warp Speed, as Trump was, or we wouldn't have vaccines today. You get my point. What does not run in McConnell's bloodstream is the can-do mentality of the American people. Again, he's part of that elite. I write about it in American Marxism, and then I've talked to you about The American people are better than these politicians. They're better than these top brass generals at the Pentagon. They're better than the mealy-mouthed, phony Ivy Leaguers at the State Department. 
and this National Security Council. We are better than the people. They don't lead us. They drag us down. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, And this, of course, is how the American Marxists operate. This is from um, the Free Beacon, Andrew Stiles. And um, it's about the effort. Actually, this, I'm wrong about that. This is by uh, Jack Byer. Democrats tuck female draft into defense bill. The Pentagon will start to draft women in order to receive funding after House Democrats amended the defense bill. See, there's no public debate about these things. Nobody asked for your input. They're snuck in the bills. Jefferson called this legislative tyranny. Representative Chrissy Houlihan, Democrat Pennsylvania, put forward a measure on Wednesday to require all women over the age of 18 to register for selective service. We haven't had a national debate about this. Houlihan said her policy would best draw on the talents of our entire nation. Well, who cares what she said? Don't we get any input on what happens to our our daughters, our wives, our sisters, our granddaughters, our nieces? Only one in three women, however, support adding women to the draft, according to an Ipsos poll. Republican... Uh, Republicans pilloried the legislation. Representative Vicki Hartzler, Missouri Republican, a House Armed Services Committee member, lampooned the prospect that millions of America's daughters could be put needlessly in line of fire. Now, female participation, voluntary participation, the military has steadily increased since 2004, 17% in 2018. And, of course, the number of commissioned officers as women increases. But that's different than a draft. Holohan's measure passed. 35 to 24. Five Republicans crossed party lines to support it. You see, the party, the party is pathetic in so many respects. So while you were working today or doing whatever you're doing... This was slipped into a defense authorization bill. A defense authorization bill. Now I have in front of me a long list of audio clips of individuals, Joe Biden, all politicians, and DiCamio of New York City, and let's see, some phony journalists such as Paula Newton with the Constipated News Network, Each, who's an expert on all things, particularly martinis, uh, and on and on and on, the list goes on. Media and Democrats blaming the floods, the deaths, 
the hurricanes on climate change. What do any of them know about science? They don't know a thing about science. Chuck Todd told us some time ago that if you're a climate denier, climate denier, does anyone out there deny climate? You're not welcome on his program. Not too much of a fascistic fiat. But as usual, we're going to dig a little more deeply here. We're going to take a little time on this subject because you're being bombarded with this. And even people who may not like Biden and the Democrats, you don't believe in climate change because this has been going on now for at least 15 or 20 years. On July 18, 2014, this is, of course, from American Marxism, a large number of delegates from radical groups throughout the world gathered to issue a joint proclamation called the Margarita Declaration on Climate Change. It is revealing that their proclamation leads with a quote from Venezuela's late Marxist dictator, Hugo Chavez. Quote, let us go to the future, let us bring it and sow it here, unquote. Of course, thanks to Chavez and his successor, Nicolas Maduro, the Venezuelan economy and society are devastated. The people are dying of starvation and seeking refuge in the United States and other countries. There's a complete breakdown in health care and basic public services. And the government is a violent police state that represses any and all dissident voices. Indeed, the proclamation reads like a modern version of Marx's Communist Manifesto, laced with environmental declarations and platitudes. And these are the people who Kerry flies around the world hanging out with. Kerry's had the biggest junket of a lifetime. While it is insipid and absurd on so many levels, it is also dangerously appealing and increasingly acceptable as a matter of national and international policy. Now, in part, this declaration states it is necessary to reach an alternative development model based on the principles of living in harmony with nature, guided by absolute and ecological sustainability limits, and the capacity of Mother Earth as well. A fair, egalitarian model, always laced with Marxism, that constructs sustainable economies, that moves us away from energy models based on fossil fuels and hazardous energies, that guarantees and recognizes the respect to Mother Earth. There is no Mother Earth. The rights of, if anything, it would be a, a birthing Earth, wouldn't it, Mr. Producer? The rights of women, children, adolescents, gender diversity, the impoverished, the vulnerable minority groups... Of course, what does this have to do with global warming? Nothing. And the original indigenous people, a fair and egalitarian model that fosters the peaceful coexistence of our peoples. We likewise want a society where the right of Mother Earth, third time, prevails over neoliberal policies, economic globalization, and patriarchy, because without Mother Earth, fourth time, life does not exist. And by the way, with Mother Earth, life does not exist. Mother Earth has killed hundreds of millions of people over the course of mankind's existence. But why get in the way of their ideology? And I write, nothing says bombast and narcissism like a gathering of self-righteous Marxists working together to construct a statement of purpose. To include every possible group and cause and their coalition. And to treat, quote-unquote, Mother Earth as if she's some kind of wallflower or victim. The result, an incoherent and nonsensical mission statement. Nonetheless, 
This movement is for real, and it threatens our way of life. As Hayek explains in The Fatal Conceit, this is a morality that pretends to be able to do something that it cannot possibly do. That is, to fulfill a knowledge-generating and organizational function that is impossible under its own rules and norms, then this impossibility itself provides a decisive rational criticism of that moral system. It is important to confront these consequences, he writes, for the notion that, in the last resort, the whole debate is a matter of value judgments and not of facts, has prevented professional students of the market order from stressing forcibly enough that socialism cannot possibly do what it promises. Now this declaration says in part, I'm reading this because it's not academic. Oh, it's climate change. From people who probably have IQs in the negatives. It says the main sources for climate crisis are the political and economic systems. Capitalism. Constitutionalism. Commercializing and reifying nature and life. Thus impoverishing spirituality and imposing consumerism and developmentalism that generate unequal regimes and exploitation of resources. It's a mouthful of stupidity. The global crisis is exasperated by unsustainable practices of exploitation and consumption by the developed countries and the elites of the developing countries. See, China loves these useful idiots. It does their work for them. You know, like Ed Markey of Massachusetts... If China could, they'd give him, you know, a, uh, a Medal of Communism award in Beijing. He's such a putz. We demand the leaders in the North not continue such wicked practices that destroy the planet and demand the leaders in the South not follow the development models in place in the North, which lead to the civilizing crisis. We urge them to construct an alternative path to achieve fair, egalitarian, and sustainable societies and fair economies, uh, uh, a.k.a. Marxists. For such purposes, it is required that the developed countries meet their moral and legal obligations, especially vis-a-vis vulnerable and marginalized countries and communities, by lifting barriers such as intellectual property rights, which prevent the attainment of the preservation of life over the planet and the salvation of human species. That's amazing. Intellectual property rights. So where, does the, where do these intellectual inventions and products come from, Mr. Producer? Capitalism. It's not fair that we don't share them. So we have to destroy capitalism and yet make its bounty available to the rest of the world. But they're not done. We likewise urge them to comply with the financial contribution and the transfer of safe and locally suitable technologies, free from barriers such as intellectual property rights, strengthen capacities and embrace the principles set forth in the Climate Change Convention and in the Rio Earth Summit. Well, Biden's already signed off on the Climate Change Convention, especially as to the common but differentiated responsibilities and respective capabilities and the principles of precaution and gender equality. Now... You can see the pedantic, verbose incoherence of these people. But it doesn't matter. And as I explain in American Marxism, I am reminded of what Thomas Sowell wrote in his book, The Quest for Cosmic Justice. 
<coughs> about such widely overstated, generalized, and untested visions. Lenin represented one of the purest, wrote uh, Saul, one of the purest examples of a man who operated on the basis of a vision and its categories, which superseded the world of flesh and blood human beings or the realities within which they lived out their lives. Only tactically or strategically did the nature of the world beyond the vision matter as a means to the end of fulfilling that vision. Lenin's preoccupation with visions was demonstrated not only by his failure to enter the world of the working class in whose name he spoke, but also his failure to ever set foot in Soviet Central Asia, a vast area larger than Western Europe, and one in which the doctrinaire and devastating schemes of Lenin and his successors would be imposed by force for nearly three quarters of a century. Now, who does that remind you of, America? Who is it that has refused to go to the southern border to see the consequences of his own policies? Biden. Biden. Saul added that visions are inescapable because the limits of our own direct knowledge are inescapable. In other words, you can dream up whatever you want. The crucial question is whether visions provide a basis for theories to be tested or for dogmas to be proclaimed and imposed. Much of the history of the 20th century has been a history of the tyranny of visions as dogmas. He's talking about the Third Reich, Stalin, Mao, the slaughter and inhumanity that followed it. Visions, you see, visions. Previous centuries saw the despotism of monarchs or of military conquerors. But the 20th century has seen the rise of ruling individuals and parties whose passport to power was their successful marketing of visions. Climate change, climate change. Almost by definition, this was the marketing of the promises of visions. Since performance could not be judged before achieving the power to put the vision into action. That is a crucial sentence. In other words, it's too late after they get their way. It's too late. The prevalence and power of a vision is shown not by what is its evidence of logic improved, but precisely by its exemption from any need to provide evidence or logic, by the number of things that can be successfully asserted because they fit the vision. Well, they're having to meet the test of fitting the facts. How many times have you heard people say correctly? You know, the left, all they have to do is put out a statement. We have to unravel it and come up with facts and explain it and so forth. And that's Saul's point. All they do is they throw out platitudes. They throw out their vision. No more fossil fuel, just electricity. Now, wait a minute. You know, we're like, that doesn't matter. The vision. We're out of Afghanistan. We're not at war anymore. No, 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 no. It's a more day. No, it's the vision. I want to continue this when we return. I'll be right back. You know, you expect Democrat Party, Marxists and others to use their their positions as demagogues and propagandists blaming a hurricane and flooding on climate change. But it's the reporters. CNN reporter Paula Newton 
Let's get to 11, Mr. Producer. Paula Newton reporting on the hurricane and the consequences of the hurricane, which have been devastating. But, of course, it's your fault, America. Man-made. It's your fault. If you get stuck behind enemy lines, that's your fault, too. Cut 11. Go. This is not Oklahoma. This is not Tornado Alley. This is New Jersey. And they are absolutely staggered by what happened here a little bit more than 24 hours ago. Chris, you and I can picture this, right? You're at home. You've either finished uh, your meal. You're about to have your meal. People like the Thomases, their home behind me destroyed. They say they had about three minutes to get into the basement. Mom is pregnant, two little ones in the basement. When they were in the basement, the debris from their home was still raining down on them in the basement. We, you had said earlier, the governor of New Jersey saying, look, 23 tragic deaths, most of them people trapped in their vehicles. People here know that if it wasn't for those three minutes of warning that they got from the time they saw it on their cell phone to the time they got in the basement, they would not be as fortunate today. Today, they are concerned, thankfully, about things that stressful. These are their dream homes. They're their family homes, but they know how fortunate they are. Here's the thing, though, Chris. You know, these are families who tonight would have been sharing a, a meal or a drink or, or outside enjoying a beautiful, you know, summer night. And yet now what are they thinking? They're thinking we are on the front line of climate change. They now see this as clear and present danger. What a what a disgusting, exploitive liar and propagandist, in my view. Absolutely unbelievable. Before the Industrial Revolution, do you think there were hurricanes? Do you think there were floods? Do you think there were earthquakes? Do you think there were tornadoes? This is the problem when history isn't taught, when facts aren't taught, but ideology is taught. Ideology is taught. This Margarita Declaration goes on, climate change, then proceeds to declare a great world social movement. A people's movement, I quote, that requires an anti-capitalist economic transformation. Change in thinking, re-education, and indoctrination, the eradication of fossil fuels, and much more. And of course, Each, today, what does she say? She says the fossil fuel industry and humanity are fundamentally incompatible. She's not smart. She's been indoctrinated. She just burps up and regurgitates what she memorized. And yet it's the reporters, the so-called media, that are the surrogates for this movement. More when I return. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Folks, and you understand, but let's underscore this. You stand in the way of the American Marxist movement. You stand in Bernie Sanders' way and Joe Biden's way and AOC's way and Nancy Pelosi's way. You stand in their way. Your liberty, your mobility, your private property, your belief system cannot square with their agenda. You must acquiesce to their demands. You must surrender your own 
free will. That's the bottom line. In every respect, whether it's your income, whether it's your mobility, whether it's your medical care, even citizenship, doesn't matter. And that's American Marxism in a nutshell. I want to continue with this. You know, my hope always is that when you listen to this program, particularly if you're able to listen to most of it, if not all of it, each evening, you'll at least walk away with more information than you had when you came in. I don't know that you can say that about all the other programs. I hope so. But on mine, that's the goal. And maybe it'll create some further interest or Maybe you become more inquisitive about a particular issue or so forth. But at least you'll have information you didn't have three hours earlier. And I don't know that you can say that about everybody else. Probably some you can. I don't know. I don't listen anymore. Let's stick with this. You're not going to get this in any classroom. Let's stick with this. Or any other show for that matter. And so this movement, which grew in the 70s in Europe and is self-perpetuating and has leached into our governing system, into our politics and academia and so forth, because it serves the purpose of American Marxism. These so-called climate change fanatics, I call them. In their declaration, they say, we must organize ourselves to guarantee life on the planet through a great world social movement. A change of attitude for a conscience of power, keeping the peoples united, becomes necessary. I always thought the word people could be plural also. But apparently you have to put peoples. As organized peoples, we can push for the transformation of the system. The structural cause for climate change is linked to the current capitalist hegemonic system. See? The change of the system must provide for a transformation of the economic, political, social, and cultural systems at local, national, regional, and global levels. Education is a right of the peoples, a continuous process of fair, free, and transversal comprehensive training, they mean indoctrination. Education is one of the foundational driving forces for transformation and construction and diversity of the new women and men, for the good living and the respect of life and Mother Earth. Education should be oriented, and see what Mother Earth has done, it's more like MF Earth at this point, don't you think, Mr. Producer? Education should be, and shouldn't it be birthing person Earth? Education should be oriented to reflect value, create, raise, awareness, coexist, participate, and act. When we speak of education to face the climate change, we speak of the main roots of such change and the historic and current responsibilities. We speak of poverty, inequality, vulnerability of the peoples especially the indigenous peoples and other historically excluded and victimized groups. You can see the quote-unquote intersectionality of all this. The propaganda. It's incoherent, but nonetheless, the propaganda. And as I write, the colossal incoherence and imbecility of this movement cannot be overstated. Nonetheless, it stridently marches on with appeal and force. The Declaration continues... Most of you didn't even know this declaration exists. That's why I'm taking the time to go through it. That's why I keep encouraging people. Get your copy of American Marxism. Please. It's all in here. And much, 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 much more. I can't read the whole book. They say, we propose the following actions to change the system. 
transformation of the power relations and the decision-making systems for the construction of an anti-patriarchal people's power, transformation of food production systems and the agroecological systems, thus ensuring food sovereignty and security and valuing knowledge, innovations, ancestral and traditional practices. Transformation of the energy production systems, eradicating dirty energies, respecting the right of the peoples to fight poverty and keeping fair transition as a guiding principle. Transformation of the energy consumption patterns through education, regulations, to large energy consumers and empowerment of the people over community-scaled systems of renewable energy production under control of the communities. Can you imagine this incoherence being put into practice? You know what you get? California. Implementation of participative government of territory and city planning systems, thus ensuring fair and sustainable access to land and to urban services, as well as other means that are necessary to face the climate change impacts. Folks, this is Marxism. This is American Marxism. Shifting from an energy and materials profligate system to a cyclic system that emphasizes the eradication of the unsustainable exploitation of nature and promotes reduction, recycling, and residues, recycling of residues. Ensuring financing by the developed countries to the developing countries for such transformations. And for compensation and rehabilitation of the impacts of climate change. Financing must not be conditional, and the management of the funds supplied shall be in the hands of the peoples. Creation of accessible mechanisms for the protection of the displaced people and the defenders of environmental rights. That would be displaced peoples, I think. And I point out, too, the traditional attacks on capitalism, productivity, and economic growth have revolved around the claimed depletion of natural resources and carbon dioxide emissions, both of which, among other things, are said to lead to climate change. And with respect to the former, Professor Dr. George Reisman explains that mankind has not come close to even scratching the surface of the Earth's resources. He writes, what is true of the Earth is equally true of every other planetary body in the universe. And so far as the universe consists of matter, it consists of nothing but chemical elements, and thus of nothing but natural resources. Because the Earth is literally nothing but an immense solid ball of chemical elements, and because man's intelligence and initiative in the last two centuries were relatively free to operate and had the incentive to operate, it should not be surprising that the supply of usable, accessible minerals today vastly exceeds the supply that man is economically capable of exploiting. So he's saying two things there. Because of the existence of America and what has been up till now a mostly free market capitalist system and particularly the Industrial Revolution, we have learned how to train in some fractional respects. Mother Earth, quote-unquote. But we haven't even come close to exploiting the resources here. Not even close. It's a pimple on Godzilla's butt. May I say that? I think I will. He says, the portion of nature that represents wealth should be understood as a tiny fraction that began as virtually zero, and even though it has since been multiplied by several hundredfold, still virtually zero. When one considers how small is the portion of the mass of the earth, let alone the universe, that is subject to man's control. 
and how far man is from understanding all aspects and potential uses of what has become subject to his control. So a common theme, folks, significant problem respecting too many social activists and self-proclaimed revolutionaries is their utter ignorance about matters in which they are passionately, if not violently, committed. And that's all that matters. False idols. As for carbon dioxide emissions and the impact on the atmosphere, earth, climate, the debate even among scientists and experts rages on despite efforts to intimidate skeptics, shut them down, dismiss them as deniers. But suffice to say, there's simply no consensus. As recently as September 23, 2019, quote, global network of more than 500 knowledgeable and experienced scientists and professionals, experts, in climate-related fields signed a letter to the U.N. Secretary General insisting that climate science should be less political while climate policy should be more scientific. And so they're complaining about the politicization of it. It goes on the letter, the general circulation models of climate on which international policy is at present founded are unfit for their purpose. It is cruel as well as imprudent to advocate the squandering of trillions of dollars on the basis of results from such immature models. Now, not a single reporter, not a single, a single television platform, or radio platform for that matter, comprehends any of the science. Any of it. But it doesn't matter. This is a cause celeb. Joe Biden certainly doesn't comprehend it. He doesn't comprehend a ham sandwich. And so I circle back. This horrific hurricane, the horrific floods, the horrific fires in the West, particularly California, rather than praying to Mother Nature, you have to respect Mother Nature. And the idea that we spend trillions more, trillions more, and we'll fix it, is a lie. And you know it's a lie, and I know it's a lie. It can't be fixed. You can try and build homes that are, that are more impervious, but not impervious to these effects. But the, the deaths and the damage will exist. Maybe not on the level it does each case. But it will exist. It's not about climate change, global warming, global cooling, or all the rest. I want you to think just about one thing. Do you honestly believe that politicians in Washington, D.C., who happen to get elected to public office and spend most of their time spewing carbon dioxide, grabbing for power, trying to rule over you, have any idea what the hell they're doing? But they know this. These people in Washington know how to get power, keep it, and grow it. That's what they do every day. You try to make money, maybe more money for your family. You try to improve the situation for yourself and your family. Well, for them, it's about more power, expanding power, and controlling you because the more liberty you have the less power they have the climate is just one of many areas in which they seek to exploit in order to destroy your lifestyle 
And let me just say one other thing. These people, you see their view on abortion? They don't say abortion should be rare, but no, no, abortion. Those unborn babies, they don't have a vote. And the American Marxists and the Democrat Party and their surrogates throughout society, they're focused on convincing people to vote for them. Not through truth. No, no. By any means possible. Cheating at the ballot box, taking your money, encouraging people to go on welfare, all this stuff is to empower them, not to improve society or the lives of anybody. So that unborn baby has no vote. That unborn baby has no say. When you look at what they want to do to our economic system and the debt, your children have no vote. Your grandchildren have no vote. They have no say. Future generations, generations yet born, they have no say. So these American Marxists and their movements, they are abusive beyond description of babies and little children and generations yet born. They steal from them, they rip them off, and as they fight for their life in the womb, they say it's a choice. I'll be right back. I have one more thing to say about this climate change stuff. Because it's going to be with us forever, I fear. But something important. And I would also like to encourage you. It's a three-day weekend. We will not be on. I will not have a live show on Sunday. It's also on Monday. I mean, Monday night is also Rosh Hashanah. Which is one of the, uh, the high holy days for Jewish people. Uh, and I and many others will be celebrating that. But I hope you'll spend the weekend not only relaxing, not only getting your engines recharged, but please grab your copies of American Marxism. And if you have it and you're able to, get one from a friend, for a friend or neighbor. I'll be right He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, the... Neo-Marxists and neo-isolationists in the media, whether they're on TV or in newspapers or even talk radio, they want to have it both ways. They want to tell you that the war in Afghanistan was a failure from beginning to end. But only Biden, because of the way Biden evacuated, only that should be the focus because he really screwed up because we needed to get out and he didn't do it right. 
That war was not a failure. That war protected us. And these same people out of the other side of their multi-sided mouths praise the vets. Those who, many of whom come home horribly disfigured and those soldiers who never did come home. They tell you their fight was worthy, but it's the generals. God gave man the ability to reason for a reason. So irrational and stupid comments can be digested through your cranium, unraveled, and rejected in whole or part. Afghanistan was largely neutralized, ladies and gentlemen. You didn't hear much about Afghanistan for a few years, 18 months, 24 months, until Biden lit this fuse. But we weren't attacked either. So those neo-Marxists or neo-isolationists are just as dangerous as Joe Biden. They're just as dangerous as Joe Biden. And, and they seem to think if we don't, if, if, if you support prudence and real strategies and implementing real tactics, that you're some kind of a neocon warmongering part of the, no, 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 no. You've heard me be very critical of these generals. But the neo-Marxists and the isolationists will get more of us killed. They criticized Donald Trump when he took out Soleimani. They thought that was a provocative action. You remember that, Mr. Producer? They thought that was provocative. When Donald Trump hit Syria twice for gassing their own people, they thought, that's outrageous, that's provocative. When Israel receives a measly two or three billion dollars in support and in exchange provides us with intelligence and technology and the rest of it, hey, that, that ought to stop. And by the way, Israel is trying to get it to stop. But you get my point. Nothing is our business if it doesn't touch our shores. China thinks this is brilliant. They'll choke us off economically. They'll choke off our navigable waters. And then what do we do? Then it's too late. I've been reading to you from American Marxism, including from Thomas Sullen. What does he say? These visions, these visions, untested visions. Once they're in place, it's too late. I played Patton early on in this program, right at the top. Because we don't have generals at the top who want to fight to win. We don't have politicians who want to fight to win. But in the case of Afghanistan, to say that all 20 years was a failure is wrong. It's wrong. That's like saying over a half a century of having troops in the Korean Peninsula and South Korea has been a failure. That's wrong. That NATO's been a failure. That's wrong. We haven't had another World War II. My God. And it is the 
devaluing, the undermining, the crumbling from within, from these various movements, including the neo-Marxist and neo-isolationist movements that you hear all the time, that is creating this situation. So these people talk out of all sides of their mouths. But I want to move on from that. Circling back. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a very stupid person who has almost no experience in any aspect of any policy that affects all of us, which is one of the reasons she is promoted by the corrupt media. She was just another backbencher. But they made her a, a star. And here's what she said about fossil fuels. Hat tip, right scoop, cut 12, go. The fossil fuel industry and the future of humanity are fundamentally incompatible. So the fossil fuel industry that is responsible for bringing you food through our truckers, for making sure that food, which needs to be protected from the elements, heat and so forth, can be frozen, refrigerated, or makes it possible for you to heat food and cook it, that makes it possible for you to get through a horrific winter with heat, or a horrible summer with air conditioning, that makes it possible for you to drive from one place to the next, that makes it possible for all these materials that we use, building our homes, our automobiles, clothing you wear, that is incompatible with humanity. That is incompatible with humanity. No, her ideology and her stupidity are incompatible with humanity. Go ahead. They just are. I mean, that's not a political opinion. That is the science. We continue to burn fossil fuels. That's the science, ladies and gentlemen. And you're an idiot. That's the science. One more time. Climate change fanatics. American Marxism. Ian Plimmer, Emeritus Professor of Earth Science at the University of Melbourne and Professor of Mining Geology at the University of Adelaide. Here's what he says. And there's so many who repeat this, who are experts. The theory of human-induced global warming is not science because research is based on a preordained condition. Huge bodies of evidence are ignored, and the analytical procedures are treated as evidence. Furthermore, so-called climate science is sustained by government research grants. Funds are not available to investigate theories that are not in accord with government ideology. Of alternative energy sources such as wind and solar... The professor writes, the alternative energy systems, quote-unquote, such as wind and solar, are environmentally disastrous. They cause loss of ecosystems, destruction of wildlife, sterilization of the land, inordinate costs that may not be retrieved during the life of the system, and the emission of huge amounts of CO2 during construction. Furthermore, both wind and solar power are inefficient. They can't provide 24-7 base load power. Remember Texas the other year? They need backup by coal-burning, carbon dioxide-emitting, electricity-generating plants. 
And the professor condemns, condemns this entire movement. Now, of course, he's not as educated as AOC. Quote, climate change catastrophism is the biggest scientific fraud that has ever occurred. Much so-called climate science is political ideology dressed up as science. There are times in history when the popular consensus is demonstrably wrong, and we live in such a time. Cheap energy is fundamental for employment, living in the modern world, and for bringing the third world out of poverty. And the education system has been captured by activists. And the young are inculcated with environmental, political, and economic ideology. During their education, these same young people are not given the basic critical and analytical methods to evaluate ideology that has been presented as fact. As fact. Richard S. Linden was a very, he's really quite a famous and, and uh, brilliant man, atmospheric physicist, former professor of meteorology at MIT. He says the global warming is about politics and power rather than science. In science, there's an attempt to clarify, and global warming language is misused in order to confuse and mislead the public. The misuse of language extends to the use of climate models. Advocates of policy allegedly addressing global warming use models not to predict, but rather to justify the claim that catastrophe is possible. As they understand, proving something to be impossible is itself almost impossible. Then finally, and there's many more, Robert M. Carter. None of these people will ever appear on NBC News because they've all been banned by Chuck Todd. All the professors, all the experts. Robert M. Carter, Emeritus Fellow and Science Policy Advisor at the Institute of Public Affairs, Science Advisor at the Science and Public Policy Institute, Chief Science Advisor for the International Climate Science Coalition, former professor and head of the School of Earth Sciences at James Cook University, he writes, I mean, he wasn't a bartender, but come on. It needs to be recognized that the theoretical hazard of dangerous human-caused warming is but one small part of a much wider climate hazard that all scientists will agree upon, which is the dangerous weather and climate events that nature intermediately presents us with, and always will. It is clear from the many and continuing climate-related disasters that occur around the world that the governments of even advanced wealthy countries are often inadequately prepared for such disasters. Now, we need to do better in squandering money to give Earth the benefit of the doubt based upon an unjustifiable assumption that dangerous warming will shortly resume is exactly the wrong type of picking winners approach. He says... The reality is that no scientist on the planet can tell with credible probability whether the climate in 2030 will be cooler or warmer than today. In such circumstances, the only rational conclusion to draw is that we need to be prepared. So he's saying, look, you're not going to stop climate. You're not going to change climate. Up or down, around she goes. That's the way it goes. So if you want to strengthen your homes or build better dam systems or whatever it is, that's how you react to it. That's how rational human beings react to it. But you're not going to eliminate it. You're not going to stop it. I guess he's a climate denier. So I wanted to provide some basic level of information and understanding 
It's the longest chapter, I believe, in American Marxism, if you want to pick it up, in response to all of these truly stupid, uninformed propagandists dressed up as reporters. Remember what I called them. And remember what I called this. This this is organized propaganda. They all sound alike. They all regurgitate what one or the other says. It's organized propaganda. It is not useful, substantive, newsworthy information. And they will exploit the suffering of other people to advance their agenda. Whether it's the border, whether it's climate, whether it's war. I'll be right back. I'm trying to convey in any way I can, as much as I can, in the best way I can, information that I think is going to be useful to you. And that you can spread the word, as the Paul Revere's out there. That we can use American Marxism as a Thomas Paine pamphlet, like the American Crisis. It's going to take you to do this. This weekend is the perfect time to do it. Maybe you'll see a lot of family and friends. Maybe you'll be traveling. Who knows? It's the perfect weekend to do it. For a lot of people in a lot of states, school begins now, or the first week you're already in. Get your kids ready for what's going to be an effort to devour what they believe, to indoctrinate them. But it's on each of you, as it is on me. And so the timing of this book, the substance of the book, the purpose of the book, is for our times. This is not a frivolous book. It's not a frivolous thing. You hear me talk about these things. But there's not enough time on radio, there's not enough time on any of these media platforms to do what I do in American Marxism. And you can take your time. Once you own it, it's yours. You can, you can go to aspects of it, all of it. Chapter 7 is an activism chapter. It's a very, very unique book. It's certainly the most unique book I've ever written. Now many of you are going to be shopping this weekend. Maybe it will be a Costco or Walmart or scores of retail stores. Every one of those retail stores that carries books has a copy of American Marxism. It's the price of a New York sirloin steak. That's what it is. It's the price of a New York sirloin steak, or any sirloin steak, just one steak. But you won't eat it, and it'll always be on your shelf. Or Amazon.com, it'll show up tomorrow or the next day. Or what I've done is I've sent it to other people via Amazon.com. So it's there at your fingertips. It's a relatively cheap way of informing yourself. Unlike spending money on seminars or training events or, I don't know, even colleges and universities. Not in lieu of them, but it's something you won't get anywhere else. So the three-day weekend is coming. For many of you, it's already here. It's the perfect time to act. As I say, I'm off Monday as well. And I want to wish, by the way, my fellow Jews a a wonderful 
Rosh Hashanah. And all my fellow patriots, a wonderful weekend. I really do. God knows you earned it. Let's go to Patty. Manassas, Virginia, the great WMAL. Patty in Manassas, Virginia, how are you? Awesome. Hi, Mark. Hi, go right ahead. I'd like to add that the... um I'm a climate uh, person. I've worked in satellites and theoretical optics for a long time, and we actually have used all of the satellites that we've built for the last 20 years to measure what happens with uh, with CO2 and, and all the other gases as well. And when you have climate, when you have planetary-sized events such as volcanoes and huge fires, those kinds of events go up to the troposphere and they make their way to the, uh, to the Antarctic and the Arctic and they actually uh, deliver the ash to the ice, which then... Now, 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 you're a scientist and what you're saying is, Mark, you're right. These cataclysmic events are not of our making. It's Mother Nature, right? Isn't that what you're saying, Patty? Definitely. All right, thank you. Don't hang up. We want to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. There's a real scientist. When the going gets tough, a tough get. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you see, here's the problem. If you're Joe Biden, or if you're one of the ideologues in the Democrat Party or in our staff and so forth, um, failure to you is success. And because there's no circumspection, no self-criticism, Um, you continue to do disastrous things. So we have a jobs report that came out. Only 235,000 positions were added, even though 720,000 were expected, off by half a million. I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen anything like this before. People are running shortages of material. Um, People are getting shortages of foodstuffs. Interest rates are rising. You see what's happening to gasoline. I guarantee you it's not long before there's going to be shortages of gasoline. And in the breach, Joe Biden wants to spend another $5 trillion. Massive tax increases across the economy, including for you and you and you, believe it or not, if you dare to sell your home. He is a wrecking ball, folks. You see what he's done in Afghanistan. You see what he's done on the border. You see how he's bought and paid for by various special interest groups. The trial lawyers. The nefarious teachers unions. And this is what he's doing. And so you know what he said today about the jobs report? His plan is working. That this is due to the virus, the Delta variant. Sure, it's due to the Delta variant and the, uh, the disaster in Afghanistan was due to Trump and the Afghan military and a thousand other things. 
And the reason the border's wide open, uh, that's because of Trump. And, uh, you know, surely even those who voted for this imbecile are sick and tired of this. Because this is going to affect each and every one of your lives like it is the rest of us. Like it is the rest of us. It's truly appalling. Mike, Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. I know exactly where that is. The great WPHT. And I hope my brothers and sisters in Philadelphia are doing okay. That's Schuylkill River. Boy, that turned out to be quite the killer. Go right ahead, Mike. Yes, Mike, I just wanted to thank you for bringing all this out to the American public. And uh, we are not, definitely not a Marxist country. I believe we're still a constitutional republic, but we've got to get rid of the Biden administration, I believe. That's the only way to do it. Or un- un- nullify the election and t- the whole administration should be charged with treason yeah well nobody's going to charge them as you understand they're in charge of the department of justice and everybody can't be charged to treason they actually have had to have some specific role in a treasonous act but putting all the the verbosity aside what i would say is they should be removed the president should be removed we don't have the numbers to remove them but you have to build public pressure uh, you know, the Republicans, uh, excuse me, the um, the Republicans were the ones that led the, for the removal of Richard Nixon. You have to create a factual environment. You have to get around and over the press, around and over the uh, the Democrat Party propagandists, and they all sing from the same, uh, from the same hymnal. And you're not going to get there with a guy like McConnell. It's not going to happen. So McConnell is a weight around the necks of people who are trying to save this country. He just doesn't see the world as it is. He's stuck. He's stuck in the 1970s. All right, Mike, don't hang up, my friend. We're going to send you a signed copy of American Marxism as well. Thank you, my friend. Josephine, Albany, New York, on the Mark Levin app. Josephine, go right ahead, please. Hi, Mark. I tell you, this is so amazing just to think that I'm talking to you. Um, my husband and I have already bought your books, and we listen Thank to you. your podcast, and we listen to your show, and we listen to you nonstop. We've got everybody listening to you. You're our hero. You're our, you're our teacher. You're our everything, really. You just have no you're idea. You're awfully sweet. Um, it, oh, my God, I can't tell you. I, 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 I was crying at the thought of just hearing your voice for real, uh, and that's the truth. But I want to tell you a little joke. I yeah. received it on, uh, but that's not why I called. Um, I received it just the other day on on a phone. It was a cartoon joke, and it said, because you mentioned AOC, it said if Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi engendered a child, it would be AOC. <laughs> and I'm saying, God, if that doesn't say it all. Yeah, I think that's uh, kind of close, close to the point. Josephine, thank you. You're a sweetheart. Don't hang up. We're going to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. I very, very much appreciate it. Let's take a few more calls here. Uh, let's go to Tim, a trucker friend of ours, East Amherst, New York, XM Satellite. Tim, how are you, sir? Mark, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for your service and everything to the public of what you do. I just can't say enough, and I listen to all your show constantly. But as far as battery power and solar power, it's a Battery power is great, okay? I got battery-operated tools and everything else. Great. It came a long way. But I cannot imagine taking a truck down the road with an electric, an electric truck to 
nah. uh, my point, which is Albany, New York, and back and forth. It's ridiculous. Without any problems and that. And you're not going to have the people out here now, let alone how they drive. How are they going to be to know to charge their car before they take off on the road? I mean, it's just not going to be like AAA coming out and dumping five gallons of gas in your mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to work. And where's the electricity come from? It comes from multiple sources, all that require backups with coal and oil. Uh, I mean, you can't produce much electricity with solar. And, you know, we have these examples, too, Tim. You saw what happened in Texas, which was and is probably still heavily reliant on these uh, solar and wind and other kinds of power. And so they had a horrific uh, blizzard. Shut down the whole damn state. I mean, we're energy independent. This is something we've been striving to do for half a century. We're energy independent. We don't need the Saudis. We don't need the Russians. We don't need OPEC. We don't need Venezuela. We don't need anybody. We were net producers of oil and natural gas, selling it on the international market. And now look what this clown's done. This is what I mean. Everything he touches turns to crap. And based on what? Based on ideology, based on theories, based on phony science. We do so much that's based on bullcrap. The government does so much, but it knows in the end it's empowering itself, it's expanding the bureaucracy, it's ripping off the private sector. These guys don't know how to get from point A to point B in an 18-wheeler. They have no idea what's involved in that. They have no idea what's, building, what's involved in building an 18-wheeler. They have no idea what's involved in getting a, a drop of gasoline to the pump. They have no idea. No idea how, how aluminum works, how, um, how you get plastics, how you get anything. These are stupid politicians. Half of them are, are average lawyers. The other half are just community activists. These aren't people who've actually done a damn thing, and they want to run the world. And it amazes me that people think it is good to put these people in power where they can centralize their authority and reach into your 7-Eleven, reach into your automobile, reach into your home, reach into your schools, and so negatively affect your lives. Tim, thank you for your call, my friend. Don't hang up. You're going to get a signed copy of American Marxism as well. Now, folks, as much as I'd like to hand out 14 million signed copies, it's not possible. In fact, Mr. Producer tells me, Mark, we're running out of our stash. Okay, we'll keep doing it as long as I can. But the good news is, while we're still a free country, you can acquire one of these books for the price of a sirloin steak or two Big Mac combination meals, combo meals. Don't ask me how I know that. I will not admit to anything. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, over at Parlor, uh, you really ought to check out my my location there on Parlor now. It's open. You don't have to go through all the red tape that you, you had to go through before. So if you go to at Mark Levin Show Parlor now, seriously, check it out. It's all open. You can comment. You can participate. You don't have a lot of red tape or levels to go through. We've been working with Parlor for a couple of weeks on this. 
and we've made it as smooth as ice. So I just checked it out at Mark Levin's show at Parlor, and on Getter, we're at Getter 2, at Mark Levin Show Getter, G-E-T-T-R. So two excellent sites uh, for the Mark Levin Show, where I post frequently. If you want to keep track of that now, maybe you can bookmark that if you choose. Uh, As I say, we'll use whatever platform we can uh, that is consistent with our principles to advance the message and to engage with you. Because that's what we want to do. You know, last month, an absolute landslide of Levinites. You made the switch to Parler. And I'll bet those of you who did it are very, very pleased with it. All right, folks, it's been a uh, an extraordinarily complicated and difficult week, a couple of weeks. It is always uh, invigorating to be here with you, my talk radio family. We are all blessed to have each other. We are all blessed to be in this country. And we're not rolling over, folks. We're not rolling over for anybody or anything. You are red-blooded Americans. That's your stock. And mine, too. Every Friday, we play America in your honor. And I want to also expand it in the honor of the 13 men and women who gave their lives last week in Afghanistan. Here we go.
All right, folks, we will not forget the men and women behind enemy lines. Never, ever, ever. And, folks, I hope you'll watch Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday. It's a wonderful program. Uh, if you can't see it live, of course, you can DVR it. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Gigi. Good night, my Barney. And good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. And good night, Leo. We're doing everything we can. Everything we can, America. And we're going to keep doing it. God bless each and every one of you. I'll see you on Tuesday.